Well, Jay, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a little cooped up here. It's time. Uh, it's time for a move. I think get some uh, some space, some bigger yard, that kind of thing. What do you think? You are really gonna move, but like that's like that's a big deal. Like you can't do it that. It is a big deal. You're, you're scared to even leave your living room. <laughs> it's a. It seem what seems like a big deal moving isn't when you use the right people. You can use these sell your own home situations where you're you're bartering with a guy in your driveway for 45 minutes and you end up selling for $3 or you can use a professional that makes moving actually simple. Who are we going to use? But the problem is obviously Tom, but my worry is like you're so far, you're in Orleans. Tom will come to Orleans, he'll go to Russell, he'll go to Clarence Creek, he'll go to west of the Westie Village, wherever it is out there. <laughs> he'll go anywhere for you and make that experience that you were talking about of nervous or a lot of work, make it seem like nothing. Bastion and Ferguson will literally smooth out the easiest move of your life. Wow, even in Orleans, I just can't get over that. Yeah, once you hit 10th line, 11th line, 14th line, he's still coming. He's driving in his brand new Dodge Caravan, carries his family around in, will sell your home. That's what I'm looking for, an easy ride with Bastion and Ferguson. Look them up, he's gonna sell you quick and easy. If you ask 100 people to write down your first name on a piece of paper, how many spell it incorrectly? Vast majority. It's all <laughs> I-A-N, all yeah. I-A-N. Even my last name, like even like in the, in the UK, they throw an L in my last name. No way. Oh, Which, yeah. so it's Hume, H-U-L-M-E. Because over there you have uh, lever Hume, like lever soap and all that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Hume is, it's a big company That's from hilarious. 100 years ago. So everyone spells it with an L. So <laughs> between my first name and last name, it's kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Jason Whiting, soccer snob number one. I think I know you well enough to answer this question, but did you stay up till midnight on New Year's? I, I did for the first time in my entire life. <laughs> On purpose. And I, no, like it was just because I couldn't go to sleep and I was just watching highlights of games and stuff. But it was like, oh, it's actually 12, but everyone was dead asleep. Usually it's like 9, 10 p.m. Right. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't on purpose. Okay. No. Steve O'Kane, soccer snob number two. When you take your kids sledding, are you the parent that goes down on some runs with them? Yeah, it depends. Like, we've, we've got a couple of like, they're sledding right now on like a path that's like, 
three feet. Like it's not, it's not even a long drop. It's boring. So I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that with you guys, but you go to a proper hill. I'm in. Yeah. Ian, you have kids, right? Yeah. Two. Do you, do you go sled when you take them sledding? Are you ripping down? Now I'm talking, do you rip down by yourself on a sled? Like the kids are still at the top of the hill. Like, do you go down? Well, put it this way. I've been in the UK and we don't get snow. So yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. when we do get snow, it's like a rare occasion. So like where we lived, we lived near close to North Wales. Mm-hmm. So when we had snow that, that one time in 10 years, we, there's a mountain 40 minutes away. So we, we drive out as a family with my wife's family and my brother-in-law and his wife. And we'd go down there and yeah, hundred percent. I'm there. I'm <laughs> still that. a kid, at, still a kid at heart. And, and funny enough, funny enough, I've actually just ordered two sleds, <laughs> from, Canadian, from Canadian Tire, so I'm going to pick them up after I get off the no, years. GT, GT Snow Racers? Uh, no, they're, they're ridiculous. Seen the price of them now? Yeah, yeah they're I like know. over 100 bucks. <laughs> Try over 200 bucks. No way. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What's the point on getting one of those? They get stuck yeah. in the snow. You just get a normal plastic five-foot sled, you're flying down. They're going. Love it. That's right. And once you hit top <laughs> speed on a GT, the steering is just for looks. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> that voice you're hearing is Ian Hume, Canadian international who's played at the highest level, had a professional career spanning almost 20 years. So it's still going. We're not calling it uh, over yet, right? You never know. He began his career at Tranmere Rovers in 2000. Six years later, moved to Leicester City for an initial 500,000. Three years later, he was signed by Barnsley for 1.2 million. He later played for Preston North End, Doncaster Rovers, Fleetwood Town. He won League One and League Two playoffs. 2014, Hume joined Karela Blasters. Did I did I did I nail it? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nail them all now after my Alex <laughs> Bunbury butchering of Maritamo. Yeah, that was brutal. And he played the next two seasons with Atletico de Kolkata, winning the 2016 Indian Super League. Hume debuted for Canada in 2003, represented the nation 43 times and in three gold cups, right? Three gold cups. Yeah. All right. So let me kick off right from the beginning because this stuff fascinates me and, and, and our two uh, co-hosts here because we're all youth coaches. You were in the Tranmere youth team, correct? Like what age did you get into the youth team? Um, well, I moved over there. Um, obviously, I had a couple hiccups beforehand, had a couple trials. So I started going on trial when I was 13. So okay. I went over on trial with St. Mirren. Um, did very well, <laughs> which is odd how I never ended up there. Mm-hmm. Um, did very well. They even sent scouts over to watch me playing for Brampton and all that. And, and then for some reason, the manager left. They stopped answering calls, emails. The guy who scouted me out there couldn't get a t- in touch with the club and so I had to regroup, went to Hearts the year after, which was a dream for me. Family being Hearts season ticket holders and uh, born in Scotland and everything would have been the pinnacle at 14. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I would have been like set. Um, but same thing happened, went over there. Um, I had three weeks trial set. So I had Hearts, uh, York and Hartlepool. Did well for Hearts in the first week. They asked me to stay the full three um, again. Did really well, scored goals, played in the under-18s, under-16s at 14-year-old. Wow. The manager pulled me in. The first team manager, Jim Jeffries, pulled me in, said he wanted to talk, uh, said he loved me, 
in front of my mum, all that, said, oh, we're going to report St. Mern for how they treated you. We'll sort you out on a one-year YTS and a two-year pro. And I was wow. like, in my element. And then the same thing happened. They stopped answering calls, stopped answering emails. This is back in, what, 97? So we didn't have, obviously, yeah. proper internet. It was dial-up where it took you forever to get there. And um, same thing happened. So I just regrouped. And I don't know how many of you know Duncan Wilde at Oakville Blue Devils. Yeah. yeah. He, used, yeah. he used to run Premier, uh, Premier Soccer through the GTA. Okay. Um, and I went over with them. They were an under, I think, 16, 17 team. And I was, what, just turned 15. Jeez. So we went over, went on a tour. And ended up playing Tramir at the last game. So we played a couple games before and played Tramir last game. And when they found out I had my passport, I was only 15, not 17, like the rest of the guys. Yeah. They they jumped at the chance and the scout, before I'd even got back to Canada, the scout had called my parents and asked for me to come over on trial. So did that at the end of, or I'd say at the end, at the end of their season in 99, which was round about May, end of May. Went over on a tour with the youth team, the under-18s. Um, again, I was only 15, so it was kind of a big step for me and yeah. did well. Ended up going to France on a tour, played a tournament, scored the winner in the final. And by the time we got, we got back, it was they'd called my parents again, sent emails through. They wanted to sign me. Wow. So I signed. I moved over that year, uh, 99, September 13th, 99. Moved over, um, and I was I'd signed an initial two year youth or YTS contract and a one year pro, and I was in the squad for the first time just after I turned sixteen. We played Middlesbrough in the cup, and we had a couple injuries, and they threw me in. Wow. Kind of shit myself, <laughs> um, and then we went two nothing up because that we were the giant killers back then, Tranmere. So we we used to knock off teams all the time and yeah. um yeah threw me in and I was on the bench and crapped myself and thankfully they scored a <laughs> to make it 2-1 so there was no chance I was coming on then <laughs> um but I got a nice win bonus which was like three months wages so wow that that paid for a couple pairs of running shoes and <laughs> a couple oh. nice tracksuits and whatever yeah um but then I made my debut that year so I like I, I it's weird because like you guys asking about the youth team, I, very, I didn't play that much. Um, I think I played in my first year before I got put on the bench. I think I played maybe four or five games, uh -huh. got injured, did my ankle because I used to be a bit of a wuss. I used to jump out of tackles and we all know that changed a little bit. Really? But, um, yeah, well, that's where you learn. You yeah. learn to, to man up a little bit. And, uh, I had to do that quickly. Um, yeah. Came on sub pulled out of a tackle coach pulled me aside said you do it again you're coming off huh. big big center half comes in went went to go right through me so wow. i jumped two minutes later i'm on the bench again so i came on sub came off sub within about wow. 20 minutes wow <clears throat> so i learned the hard way yeah. um and yeah like i said we all know that's changed because i don't really pull out of much anymore <laughs> um but yeah I, I think i played maybe that season maybe i think 15 15, 10, 15 games for the youth team. And then I was in the first team. Did you ever um, hear back from Hertz or like, or not hear back, I guess, but you just never found out, never crossed paths with Jim Jeffrey? No, never. Um, I think I might've played against his team once when he was at Bradford. Yeah. Um, 
but other than that, it was it was it was tough to take. But yeah, the like the likelihood is, if I'd have gone there, and I'm not knocking myself back, but if I'd have gone there, not being Scottish, not being a top <laughs> foreign player, would I have got a chance at Tranmere? I did. I was, I'd made my debut at 16 year old at Tranmere. So yeah. Um, everything works in mysterious ways. And it's kind of like you've been knocked back twice. You got the third chance. Um, what did your parents I say when you got the third one from Tranmere? Were they like, no, we're not going through this again? No, it was, they knew it was what I wanted to do. And back then we didn't have the, the avenues you have now in Canada. Yeah. Like Canada's got ridiculous pathways to, to pro now. Whereas back then it was links or you take a chance at going abroad. Yeah. If you don't do that, you wait till university and then hope that at 21, 22 year old, when you're done university, somebody's going to take a chance. Yeah. I, I nah. can listen. I can listen to you for hours about this because it's, it's enthralling. I have to ask. We ask every pro this. And it's such a stupid question from guys, I guess, who just played amateur and stuff. But what, what was when you were 13, 14, going through those things, which is incredible, by the way, like, what did you notice? What was like the biggest, like, wave over you the wet blanket that said there's a difference between you and them if there was or was there a difference between you and the other players in in scotland in 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 england um i think just the fact that i like that was my choice like i i was going over there trying to take their spot like it wasn't a matter of i went over there knowing people i didn't i didn't know anybody but i knew in canada and anyone who's played around, around about my age group at that time in Ontario, I was as good as they came. Like I, I knew I'd gone as far as I could go with the Ontario team. And um, we just won nationals. We walked nationals like under 15s. Like we were, we were dominant. Like it was scary how dominant we were. Um, and with my Brampton team, we just won the Ontario cup. So it was a matter of what's that? what's like I don't want to wait three years yeah. if I like I was in great I'd literally just started grade grade 10 when I left so I'm like do I wait till the end of high school and and then try it and go to university or do I go now and then, as soon as I decided to go on trials that was me pretty much saying I'm going out there to to take their spots and I know I have to work harder and yeah. I wasn't big I was maybe five, 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 six when I first started going on trial. Well, probably smaller when I first started. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was 13 year old at St. Mary and training with the first team. I was 14 training with the reserves and the first team at Hearts. Huh. And then I was obviously 15 on trial with Tramir, but I knew it had to be done. It was, it was a matter of, like I said, we didn't have the pathways here. We didn't have your CPLs, your, even your, yeah. your League Ones. We didn't have that. We had A League. Mm-hmm. And we had university. So if I was going to take a chance, I couldn't hold back. It had to be a matter of I'm going over and I'm giving everything. And yeah. that was it. That was, that was the, the mentality I had going into it. And yeah, it's such a, it's such a, um, uh, like a themed mentality we've seen so often, eh? like uh, with the Guzman and with uh, Bunbury and all these get so young to go over and getting pegged back by St. Marion and, and hearts like how that doesn't cry. Like if I didn't score in like blades of steel at 13, I was crushed <laughs> for like three weeks. Like you go over across the world and you can't, n- not even a, a rejection from a professional club can, can knock you down. And that's to me, that's what separates like elite athletes 
from podcast hosters. Like that's, that's really it. Like I'd have that mentality so young is, is incredible. And speaking of young at age 15, we all know you've played for Canada, but is it true at 15, you, you rejected Scotland at the youth levels and to, to play for Canada? Did they come in for you? Um, well, it was at 16, but it wasn't rejected. It was at the time I was already established in the under 17, under 20 at, with Canada. And all I'd ever known was Canadian soccer. So I grew up there. Okay, I was born in Scotland. My family's all Scottish, but I'm, I'm Canadian. Mm-hmm. Always have been. And for me, what do I do? Do I, do I continue playing with the, the under 17s, the under 18s, the under 20 teams with Canada, where I know everybody, where I've been in the system for through the provincials, through the national team? Do I continue doing that? Or do I go on trial with the under 16 schoolboys? Uh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, not a, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, because everything I knew, and don't get me wrong, I think I'd, I'd give it a good go if I'd have gone to Scotland. Yeah. But I'm, I'm Canadian, and any anybody yeah. who knows me, and anyone who knows me when I pull on the shirt, it's the proudest moment that a, a player can get is playing for the country. So it was it was never really a question for me. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was nice to have the option, but I don't think it was ever going to come to to fruition. Yeah. So with Youth Canada. In 2001, that um, World Youth Championship in Argentina, right? Like we, I know all three of us remember that. All four of us, I guess you you may remember it, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was unbelievable. Um, the one with in 2001, but I think it was 2003, right? That you made it to the quarterfinal. Yeah, and uh, I think it was Spain. If I'm if I and you scored in that game too, correct? That's yeah. the farthest any men's Canadian national team at any level has gotten in any tournament. Um, I want to ask you about that. Do you remember, like, I know, was Hutchison there in that, in that tournament? Who remember else was like there it was yesterday. with Canada? Huh? Uh, Josh, Josh Simpson, Jason uh, DiTullio. Was player, man. Oh. Josh, was a, Josh was a beast. He, he was, back then, he was, he was one of those. He was, he was limited, technically. Not saying he wasn't good, but he was limited. Like, he knew what he was. He was an old-fashioned winger. So he was, you give him the ball and he's running at your defense. And okay, he continued it and it's horrible the way he finished his career. Like I've yeah. watched that video so many times, it made me sick. Yeah. Um, but he was your, your old fashioned winger. Yeah. Um, but we had, we had a hell of a team with not many guys continued to go on. Um, but you had like Andres Arango, he didn't play much for, I think he broke through into the national squad once. Uh, Gordon yeah. Chin. Tiba Hutchinson, Kevin Harms, um, oh, Harms yeah. like that was actually the the stroke of genius in that tournament. Was uh, we were playing Czech Republic in our last group game, and we had to get a result. And Harms he was playing at the back, and Tiba was playing midfield. And uh, so we had Jason Detulio, Gordon Chin, and Tiba Hutchinson, and then myself up front. And Harms he was getting torn, like he was getting run ragged by their striker, and Dale Mitchell swapped Atiba with um, with Harmsey and put Harmsey number 10 and Atiba center back. And Atiba just bossed them. And Harmsey ended up turning into <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. The guy was crazy. He was just running. He was running at people. He was crossovers and through balls and no look through. But like the guy turned into a beast. And yeah. um, that was actually the stroke of genius that got us through because we ended up getting the result. And um we were we were fortunate 
don't get me wrong, like we, we'd, we'd won our game and we had to, we were hoping for, uh, I think, best third place. Yeah. And all the guys were back at the hotel. I think it was Ireland, Mexico. We were sitting watching and we needed them to get a result. And thankfully, well, it all went our way and we, we go through and we play, what was it, Burkina Faso in the, yeah. the first knockout stage. And Josh scored possibly the best goal in youth soccer history. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unreal. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the I'll take I'll take the assist on it. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Do you do you remember like playing? I mean, you played against Spain. You played against Czech Republic. Did you play against anyone that you remember that's gone on to to massive? Like who who did you play against? Who do you remember playing against? One of the best midfielders the world's ever seen. For Spain, Iniesta. Yeah, guy was a joke. Yeah, he was he was like five foot one, (laughs) (laughs) but you just couldn't get the ball off him. It wow. was scary. Um, Even that, eh? Crazy. Like, yeah. Like, it, it was one of those, like, I think he broke into the, the Barca squad the season after. Mm-hmm. Um, or even towards the end of that season. Like, the guy was a joke. You just wow. couldn't get near him. But, like, we played Brazil in the group stages and Dani Alves played. Huh. But Dani Alves played center mid back then. Um, but, like, the, the worst one was when we played Brazil the, year, the two years prior in Argentina. They had Adriano, Kaka, Luizão. Um, they the team was a uh, Fernandinho played in the tournament in Dubai. Wow! So like these guys you didn't you didn't know about, and then you're hearing like after, just after that year, Danny Alves signed for Sevilla. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he's what is he still the the most ever uh, yeah. major major club trophies. Yeah. Like he's got something like forty-eight or something like that. Come on, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, but yeah. And then you've got like I go. It's it's crazy because going through the the Spain squad, mm-hmm. you've got Iniesta, you've got uh, Juan Fran that played for Atletico yeah. Madrid. Ended up playing against a guy who I ended up playing in India with. Oh wow! Uh, Jaime Gavilan ended up playing with me at uh, ATK in in Calcutta, no and way. he. He played left wing. I looked at the team sheet. He played left wing in the game against us. Like, it's crazy. And um, hey, you look back at these things and listen, we were the, the minnows. We were the underdogs from the get-go. Mm-hmm. When, you're in a, when you're in a group of Australia, Czech Republic and Brazil with Canada, they're guaranteed fourth. Like, yeah. there's not even a question. But that team was something special. Like, honestly, you ask anybody you played in that group, and that is something like that group was something they run through brick walls for each other. They'd, they'd fight for each other. If they're that, that, that type of team that if you, you went to a bar for a drink and somebody got in a fight, there was 20 guys in a fight. That's amazing. And, and do you think that was the biggest part of it? Like, was there like, I know 100%, 100%. Nerdy, but no tactics like Dale Mitchell was the coach, I guess. Dale, 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 he knew the players he had and he knew their strengths and he played them there. And he played them in that, those formations. And like, we, listen, we didn't get there by luck. We beat the U.S. in the U.S. Like we went down like Bobby Convey, Eddie Johnson, Chad Marshall. These guys, we went down there and we beat them up. Mm-hmm. We went down wow. to Charleston in qualifying and we beat them up. Um, like they had Ricardo Clark playing midfielder. And um, like they had a hell of a team for their, yeah. for their under 20 team that year. Um, so we got there on merit. But when we got there, we, we knew what we were good at. We were the old-fashioned Canadian side with a little bit of something extra. Yeah. We had Josh Simpson, who was an outlet. We had myself. We had Elliot Godfrey. We had Chris Lemieux. We had Tiba. Tiba was, at that age, was still a boss. 
like nobody could get the ball off him. Him and Gordy Chin and Jason Detulio were a midfield three that nobody in their right mind would want to play against. Doesn't matter how good you are because they're in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we knew what we were. We were limited technically, but we had a few players who could do something. And yeah. you, that was why we went that far. Do you think, I know you just from what you mentioned earlier, I'm kind of piecing in my head. Do you think if Canada had the pathways and the opportunities they have now, like, these chins and the, and the guys that didn't go on to bigger things. Did we miss out on massive opportunities from that group, not having the pathways? Well, well, Gordy ended up playing, uh, he went on trial and whatever harm. He came over to the UK, the UK quite a lot and he ended up playing for Vancouver harms. He ended up playing MLS. Um, but most of our team went to university. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. Like we, they, they ended up waiting cause they were 18. So they were coming to the end of school anyways. That's right. So it was a matter of, they went to university and hey, fair play to them. They, they've all gone down or I think majority of them went down and they've got unbelievable careers now. Like some are doctors and lawyers and coaches and they're, they're all over the place. But these pathways now, like having so many, like these academies and pre-academies and all that, yeah. Coaches, coaches now getting paid to coach youth soccer. Yeah, yeah. we were. We came up in a, a time of volunteer coaching, and you were lucky if you got a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we yeah. we ended up turning teams into into dynasties, kind of like we. What Sorry, what helped set you? Sorry about that, Ian. Uh, what helped set you apart? Because you said, like, I know you're, you know, you're not going to set yourself, but like you were head and shoulders, and you and Natiba, like, if. You know, I don't know if you had amazing coaching or it was a volunteer or it was just by luck or just because you just played. What was it? What were the what was the ingredients that helped you make that pathway? And were there other players around you? I love asking this question that maybe were as good as you or better than you, but the coaching wasn't there so much and they didn't have that drive like you did. Or um, There was players around like you at my time, you look at like Paul Anthony Perez at North Scarborough was incredible. Dave Simpson, who ended up playing a couple of games for the national team was incredible. Um, you had, you had quite a few of them around the, the different age groups and the different, the different towns, but in Brampton, like Atiba Hutchinson, we had Ching in Brampton. Atiba Hutchinson was Mr. Brampton. I was Ching. And when the age groups changed, we joined together. So we played, me and Tiba played against each other from seven seven years old. So Tebow was like six foot at seven years old striker <laughs> guy scored about guy scored about eight goals a game. Yeah. But I played for Ching and I scored like five or six goals a game. So it was a matter of, we had another guy. So Ching Kuzi had two players, me and Marty Brown. He was left foot. I was right foot. Um, and it was, it was just the desire. I think um, he yeah. technically, he, he was as probably as good as me, if not maybe a little bit better with his left foot. Cause they're a commodity. It's one of those, yeah. You have that sweet left foot. It's like everyone looks at you as something special. And whether it was that drive and whatever, it was, I just had a little bit different wiring, to be honest. I, yeah. I knew what I was going to do. Like, I was no great kid. I was, I was in trouble in school quite a lot, but um, I learned that things had to curb if I wanted to, to become what I wanted to be. And education, I was... <laughs> in an enhanced schooling program because I was obviously quite clever, but I hated the work. Yeah. So I didn't make the most of that. So I knew by the end of the day, it was going to be, if I'm going to make it, it's, it's going to be off my own back. My parents put a lot of money and time into it and mm-hmm. they got me going places. And it was, uh, 
had to do it. It wasn't a matter of, I hope I do it. It was, I had to. And, but, um, it, but it wasn't coaching. It wasn't like, you can't attribute like one or two coaches at the like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 age, those golden years that, you know, helped you my understand dad. the game. Yeah. No? <laughs> my yeah. dad, my dad, my brother. My brother's three years older than me. He used to kick lumps out of me. So I had to learn how to grow up a little bit quicker. My dad, up from very young age, was, we know you're right-footed, go and work on your left foot. Like, he'd asked me to go and do training sessions with just my left foot, so I was equally as strong. And it worked. Like, when you look at my portfolio of goals, and I think majority of my screamers are left-footers. Hmm. Um, but I had good coaches. I had Brian Rosenfeld. Oh, wow. um, with the, with the provincial team. And he then came to Brampton just, it was my last year. He came to Brampton. Um, I had a guy in Brampton, Ed Odesanya, Dave Lloyd, with Chinkuzi, all these guys, they, they added certain parts to my game. I, I, I can't thank them enough because as a kid, when you need to learn, if you can come out of one season, learn, having learned one thing different about yourself, that can be a strength. Hmm. These, these guys did it. These guys, they drilled them into me when I was younger and, um, you look back and with that upbringing with my parents and with my brother and there's, it, it is a recipe for success. And I think that's the way it was, it was for me back then. We didn't have anywhere else to go. It like, uh, the only, the only thing we had apart from that was, uh, don't know how many of you know, Carlos Rivas and yeah. this is, uh, he does his Carlos Rivas Academy. That was the only other, outside influence I had from my, my little bubble of coaches that I'd had through my years. And I went out to Carlos Rivas every Sunday morning and did technical uh, football training, which was Miles O'Connor, Orland Chalmers, Tolly Dasaridis, all these young guys who um, were a year above me or two years above me. And that was the only other thing I learned technically was doing some work with him. Other than that, it was all, it was all kind of in-house in Brampton sort of thing. And we, uh, then we that's when they first introduced the national training centers so like at 14 13 years old i'm traveling to lamport every weekend and Iverwin every other weekend and we were back and forth and it was me dero um marco retta stolteri jason bent like we i'm 14 year old kid training with these men and it was a uh, it was that's what we had like that was our pathway that was you had to make the most with volunteer coaches and then just see where you go and just try and get the best out of yourself. And I, I was fortunate. I had some very good volunteer coaches, but nothing back then used to be tactical. Everything used to be just physical, go out and run and let's get you fit and let's do this. And we never did possessions. Mm-hmm. You did, you don't go to training and do many passing sessions. You go out, you do a little warm up, and then you do a game do some shooting at the end like that was it um but now like you look at all these coaches and i'm not taking it away from some coaches but a lot of coaches now they go out and they read a piece of paper and they do a session and they think they're a class coach no you have to get involved you have to you have to be able to demonstrate you have to be able to do this and that and i think that's where a lot of coaches and a lot of places they seem to like (laughs) Fun. It's it's a weird one because I'm 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 doing a little search for, not search, but I'm having a key, an eye out for jobs and whatever. And you're, you're looking at these jobs, and they're coaching jobs and with that Indeed and whatever. 
And they're looking for a, an under 13 or under 12 OISL coach or OSL or whatever it is. OPDL uh, probably. OPDL. There we go. Yeah. I'm going back, going back a little bit farther. <laughs> yeah. Um, OPDL team. And they're looking for a coach who's minimum B licensed with this and that and the other for an under 12 team. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like you're asking for a minimum. These, if that's a minimum, they, these people have put in best part of 10 grand to get there. And you're giving them like a volunteer job or like a, we'll pay your gas in job. Come on. Mm-hmm, like yeah. you, you want a minimum of that? You've got to pay decent. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't, doesn't come up with the, the, the financial side of things, but you're thinking minimum requirement for this under 12 job is a B license Canada or UEFA B like what? Yeah. Like, but we, we didn't even have the soccer for life and learn to train and all that modules that you had to do back then. It was literally, I'll, I'll coach this team. Okay, sign here. That's right. But now they're asking for all these paper coaches to come out. And if you've got a piece of paper, it doesn't make you an incredible coach. And on the same, in the same breath, being a professional player for 21 years doesn't make you a good coach. Yeah. And that's me. Like, I'm, 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 I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm not going to come out and say, oh, listen, I'm going to be an incredible coach. I've played so many games. I don't care. I yeah. have to learn. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just the, the facts of it. But um, yeah. So yeah. On, on that note, on that note, because I'm uh, I, I did coach you. <laughs> and uh, it is you 13, just to clarify. I know. I know. I'm just saying like, um, what was the first thing, the aha moment? Because I'm a teacher as well. And uh that when you went into your UEFA B or your national B and you're like, whoa, eye opener about coaching, like from player to coach, like what, what one or two things were you like, whoa. Uh, timing, timing, measurements. Um, my goon, my B license are, are practical things for my B license. Cause I did mine in Wales and okay. practical things. And they give you 35, 40 minutes but you've got to do a three phase training session. So you've got to do X amount of time on one X amount on the other. Your game at the end has to be minimum 15 minutes minimum. And I'm like, okay, crap. So like, you've got to go from, so it's got to be progressive. So you've got to do like a passing session to a unattended or unopposed, like crossing finishing, if depending on what you're doing or defensive side of things or breaking lines or whatever like that. And then you've got to transition that into this. Yeah. And then into the game and you've got to incorporate X amount of players, but depending on whether your, your phase is defensive or attacking, you've got to concentrate on more of this team. So don't really care about the attacking team. You just give them the ball. And it's hard to do that because if you see massive problems and you're trying to stop and you're like, Oh crap. Okay. <laughs> but you're on. And the worst thing is I was doing my last assessment. So my final assessment and we're getting going and I push my stopwatch. We get going. And I, I had it timed out like it was like six minutes, eight minutes or six minutes, 12 minutes and 21 minutes or some crap like that with the transitions between. I had it set up perfectly. Look down after about five minutes. I hadn't started my watch. Oh. I was like, oh, you. <laughs> so I'm like, and you're all mic'd up. So oh. you're mic'd up to the assessor upstairs <laughs> and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and you just got to try and like, grab the mic and you're walking over to the field marshal. You're like, uh, how long you got on the clock? <laughs> One of those, you're tapping it. I just want to say, that, that's it. 
Yeah, just just so I know. Okay, I've got six. Go. Okay, yeah. But um, no, was, that that's the hardest bit is timings and measurements and um, like even doing it with my like I'm I'm helping out with Woodstock Soccer Club here. I'm the coaching the men's program here, and um, like doing training sessions when I first came over and got out of quarantine. Um, doing training sessions and I'm like, okay, well, looking at like just a basic transition game and. I'm thinking, okay, 20 by 30, 20 by 30, 10 by 5, we'll, we'll be fine. We get in there and I'm thinking, okay, these guys are grown men. This is not going to work. And I'm looking, this looks tight. And, like, and then I'm trying to, trying to throw it out there. Hey, listen, I've made it tight for a reason. Come on. Like, <laughs> hey, keep the ball. Keep the ball. Hey, under pressure, get the ball moving. Don't take your time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sort of uh, wrap a bit of cotton wool around my mistake. <laughs> But now, see, I'm still learning, and that's the thing. I'm I'm enjoying learning, um, and I actually get a little bit of the one of the things about when coming into this club, and um, I'd been told about a lot of like a lack of respect for the the higher ups, the the coaches, and whatever. And hmm. The one thing is, I've come in, and you can't question what I've done. You can't question where I've been. So I do get a lot of respect out of the guys and I think it's transitioned the team into something that could be, hopefully, if all the players that I've, I've got on board decide to sign for next season, if we have a season, yeah, um, yeah it could be something decent for us and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And um, not, not officially finished playing. I know we said we'd get on to that. I'm not officially finished playing, but when you've been out of the game for two years and um, nobody seems to to give a shit anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not done, but yeah. very unlikely. Okay. Well, I'm going to flip back to when you were playing. I'm just going to quickly get through this. Uh, and I want to ask you about something. So you, you went to Leicester, like we mentioned earlier. Um, then you went to Barnsley at a big, you know, big fee back then, a really big fee back then. And uh, you were scoring regularly. Like you, you started that season super well, got sent off. Okay, but that's that's inhuman at that point, right? Yeah. You had yeah, score so, on my way debut, sent off on my home debut. Yeah. What else can you ask for? <laughs> that's, that's right. Just filling in the columns. I love it. And then, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but then that you know the the infamous head injury happened mm -hmm. with Chris Morgan. Now, I know uh, there's been a, you know a bunch of things said about. Uh, the Morgan or the referee and how he, you, you had even gone up to the referee to, uh, to ask for protection because he was throwing his stuff around you. Now, is this a, did you, you know, did this problem happen throughout your career or was this like an England specific uh, uh, type of situation because of how, you know, it was a tough, it's a tough league. It's known as a tough league. Yeah. Hey, it's a, it's the hardest, probably the hardest league in, in the UK. Like, Premier League, okay, they've got brilliant players. But when it comes to competition, it comes to being allowed to get away with tackles, being allowed back then, yeah. tackles flying in. Like, that's why I'm kind of happy I'm transitioning out of the game now. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many people flopping around and diving and you look yeah. at them the wrong way and it's they come out with this one and come on. Yeah. Like, that drives me insane. For sure. But um, it, it, it was a tough league and certain certain defenders gave certain fights and it was that 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 game was Chris Morgan Ugo Ehiog uh, yeah. the two center backs and listen when you're 5'8 at a stretch 
six, I had my six studs on, so I was five eight. <laughs> um, but when you're that size and you're coming up against these guys, and we were we the Barnsley team I played, and we played relatively direct football. Um, it's going to happen. You're going to get into confrontations. You're going to get into challenges. But again, I'm a foot smaller than them. Yeah. So it's or six yeah. inches smaller than them. So it's 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 always going to be tough. But he was he was known for that. He was known for being a an enforcer. He left his arm, and when they were in the prem the time before, he got reprimanded a couple times for it, and yeah. he had confrontations with like Van Nistelrooy and Ronaldo, and yeah, it happens. Listen, he's 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 tried to catch me. He's not meant to hurt me the way he did. I'm I'm not in defense of him, but no human being would do that on a, on a, on a field of play. Um, yeah. He has meant to catch me. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. Yeah. But the extent of the injury, you can't, you yeah. can't warrant for, for that. Yeah, you were, no, because we did a show a couple, uh, about a month ago on, on concussions and that kind of thing. I mean, I know you, I mean, you're a tough player, obviously, we all know that. Um, but you, you didn't even know that the damage was there. You even went to, to the, I'll let you tell it, but you went to the hospital and they were essentially sending you out, telling you to leave, you're fine. Essentially, wow. just a head knock, right? Well, then what happened? Yeah, well, well, the doctor, even the club doctor, which a lot of this falls on him, the way things were run. A lot of this falls on him. And miraculously, he's gone AWOL for the last couple of years. Um, but uh, he sent me home, said I've got concussion. And I, I'd had it before, and I kind of like, well, I don't think it's concussion. Um, but it was just like somebody would stabbed me in the eardrum. So once that calmed down... I got my shower and all that came out for the second half and it was all fine. It was freezing cold. So I had a winter hat on and all that. It was all fine. And then we scored. So we, I think we were two nil down. We scored. Um, and it just started ringing again. So I'm like, okay, I gotta go. Wow. So my father-in-law was there with me and we drove home or he drove home cause I had concussion that I'd thought he drove home and we got back and, Things were all, I say fine and dandy. I slept for like 12 hours, just took, went upstairs, took my suit off, laid down, didn't wake up till the next day. And um, it was the first game my wife and my daughter hadn't been to because oh, it was wow. her, she just started school and it was her first friend's birthday party. So it's like, we can't go. Kira's got her first party. So yeah. we're like, oh, great. No, not a problem. Don will come with me, my, my wife's dad. So we went as normal. Um, then the next day I was just woke up and I was talking rubbish and couldn't sort of get my words together in sentences. And so like, okay, well, we'll just go up to the hospital. So we come up, up get up to the hospital and everything. And we go into the A&E mm -hmm. and just one of those went in and they, they did all the testing. They, they checked, there was no depression. There was no swelling. It was, it was just like, Oh, it just looks like major concussion. Just be careful. Drink plenty of fluids. Try not to take any paracetamols or Advils or anything like that. Um, and try not to sleep for excessive amounts of time. Yeah. Okay. So we go and as I'm walking out and it's like one of those uh, rotating doors and, and I'm going out and all of a sudden I'm like spewed my guts up everywhere. Whoa. So they're like, oh crap. Okay. And like I was literally going out the door. So they rushed me back in for a CT and the whole left side of my brain was covered in blood. 
and they're like they looked at it and they're like there's no like they couldn't see anything so my temple my temporal lobe had broken inwards so amazingly there was no swelling or anything but the bones were kind of all over the place and it was just covered the whole my, my wife said she's seen the scan which i still never seen but the whole left side was was blood mm. so it was like we had to rush in and obviously that's what this beautiful shark bite looking thing is mm -hmm. um they just cut me open essentially just folded me and then just vacuumed it all out wow um they scared the crap out of my wife when i <clears throat> so i'd gone in and her and my my father-in-law are sitting in in the waiting room and they come out with <clears throat> my shoes and my chain and they're like uh the wife uh, or mrs hume mrs hume so she looks up and they come out with that and she's like oh Oh my God. <laughs> what the hell is this? A yes, exactly. Like, that's what she's like. She's like, what the hell? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like, do you what want his Dr. Ricky Gervais? They're like, do you want his personal effects? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's Jesus. But, um, yeah, but uh, the thing is, I was, I think I was in there about, uh, three hours, four hours, something like that. Um, in hospital for a week. I uh, came out better looking, more character. Um, <laughs> yeah. But hey, it is what it is. It's part of my story and it's never, never yeah. going to change anymore. So I don't mind talking about it. I don't mind joking about it because listen, it, shit happens to everybody. And yeah. I think uh, the way it was handled prior to the operation was, was wrong beyond any explanation. Yeah. Um, but afterwards the, the physio team that I had there and like the, the, the worst thing is we had a head physio and he was at a wedding that game and it was the reserve or the youth team physios first ever professional game. No way. So he got put into the game and he's now the head physio at Barnsley, uh, Seji. And he got put into the game and, like you see any of the pictures and it's me walking off with him. It was his first picture of professional football is treating him oh, fractured skull. Poor kid was devastated. No <clears throat> like he can't write it. Like that's the thing. Yeah. And he did everything right. The club doctor was a bit of a, bit of a tool. If you ask me, um, yeah. never spoke to him afterwards. Um, but the physios and everything were incredible. Um, they got me back. They like that happened in start of November. Um, they were coming over to me. Uh, just started December just to see how things are going. And then we started running just after Christmas. Hmm. So it was, uh, they did everything right. Wow. And awesome. to be honest, they had me back pretty much full training um, by March. Wow. Um, wow. Especially in, 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 a, in a time where like you see it happened to Raul Jimenez and yeah. he's back in the stadium a week later, which, which is crazy and great to see him back. But um, in the times like that, they didn't have a protocol of how to treat and how to train and where they, at what point does the pressure get too much right. in the brain? At what point does the swelling come in there? So it was, it was one of those things and they, they handled it amazingly. Like uh, Chris Burton's the head, he's the head physio at Norwich now. Um, he was the physio at the time and another one, Matt Konopinski, who went, went on from Barnsley to Liverpool and now I think he's working with the FA. They, they were incredible for me and they got me back and they kept me sane. Um, they kept me training with a smile, which was, which was great because 
obviously not knowing how long it was going to take and when I'd be back. And they just gave me confidence all the time and they were amazing. And obviously my wife and kids and or my wife yeah. and kid at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was when we decided to have a second one was, listen, you don't know what's up, what's next. So yeah. Um, yeah. We, we decided and had a second one. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. it was, um, no, I had the right people around me and I was never, never in doubt about coming back never going to wear a helmet. They asked me to wear a helmet or one of those yeah, cushion things. Yeah. yeah. Piss off. Never gonna <laughs> it's not an Ian Hume thing to do. No, no. If I had to change who I was and how I played, it was, it was a no brainer for me. Yeah. Um, but in certain, like you, you look back and I didn't have the financial back and I didn't have the, the cushion to contemplate stopping. Yeah. Um, yeah. You look at the likes of, listen, I don't know how bad it was. I don't know the ins and outs, but you look at the likes of Ryan Mason. He retired through it. Yeah. Same thing. If he'd have been a League One or League Two player, would he have retired? That's a great question. You know, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying his wasn't no, massive, no, no. 10 no. times worse than mine. That's the point. But if he was in the financial situation I was, would he have stopped? Yeah. He walks into a job, might be an unbelievable coach, but he walks into a job at Tottenham because he's a Tottenham boy, came through the system, and cr- a very good player, mm-hmm. but they've, they've looked after him. Yeah. If he's in a financially different situation, does he retire? Very, very good point. Yeah. But I, I had no choice. It was a matter of, listen, I'm, I've never made incredible amounts of money. I made good money, but I've never made incredible amounts of money, and I didn't have that, that cushion to say, you know what? Meh. Yeah. I can't be bothered anymore. No, that wasn't, yeah. it was never a case. It was a matter of how long am I out? when am I going to be able to get back? And the biggest, the biggest problem was insurance issues. I was probably back ready to play end of that season, end of March, early April. I was, I was fit. I was doing everything the guys were doing, but insurance wouldn't allow me. Yeah. So, (laughs) Hey, it's a chapter of the book. That's right. So another chapter I want to bring up is something that I came across. I had no idea, but I came across it through your Twitter. Now I'm going to read, it's uh, you went from Barnsley, then you went to, uh, to Preston. And I want to ask you about Graham Wesley. Is this, <laughs> is this, I, was is wait, it, I was waiting for that. Really good. I, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm going to read you. Graham Wesley is like, he's, he's notorious for this text, right? Is it a tech? Anyway. He's yeah, a shit bag. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I wanted to pull that out of you, but uh, thank you for doing that. So he sent this text to in preseason to a bunch of, of the Preston players. Lads, you are one of eight players that I expect to have left the club by the start of the season. This is a text, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Accordingly, as you have previously been told, you will, you will be joining a special training routine during preseason and will not be included in the first team squad training at Preston. Your training program begins on Tuesday, July 10th, not July 3rd. I'll send you more details. You're free to meet prospective employers between now and then. Please inform me because before you attend any meetings, do not attend the club's training ground. Please do not go abroad. You may be required on the same day to attend a transfer meeting. Details for July 10th. We'll be with you in due course. In the meantime, please keep following the preseason work you were given. So that's a text to eight players in preseason. So I want to ask you, and I love that you already told me he's a shitbag, but like, is this, I'm going to just kind of roll this into another question. Are, are manager, are most managers that ruthless because the job for that? I mean, is, or is this he's guy a, a special kind of person? He's a tool. He's an absolute tool. The guy, he won a couple uh, 
he played one professional game in his career. Oh, sorry, he might maybe stretched it to two. I'm not sure. Um, got released at a young age, whatever. Played non-league here, there, and whatever. But he's an absolute prick. Um, he won a couple medals in lower league, and he he had a decent group, and he brought some of them up to Preston. But he came in on this high horse. Like Preston was a very, very well-run club. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd just been relegated. Okay, unfortunate. But we had like sponsorships with like local gyms, like uh, Total Fitness. So it's kind of like a good life. We had one of those set up and the guys, everyone at the club had a free membership. So whether you were office, whether you were a player, whatever, you had a free membership. So our physio used that as a... Uh, as an outlet or a pathway for injured players to go and do rehab. So we do our training in the morning while the club, while the rest of the players are there. When they leave, the injured guys go to the gym, do a swim session or a CV or weight session or whatever. We had uh, UCLan, which is a university of central Lancashire, which is two minutes away from our training ground. So we would get uh, work experience masseurs in mm-hmm. twice a week, just because we're normally playing twice a week. So they'd come in like, so we play Saturday, they come in Monday. If we play Tuesday, they come in Thursday, and so on and so forth. We had a chiropodist who came in every other Friday or every other Thursday, one of those. And as soon as he came in, like we, at the time when he joined the club, me and, me and Neil Mello were injured. So I uh, torn my MCL, and Neil Mello torn a ligament in his ankle. So we were recovering from injury. There was a couple other players as well. Um, so we would do all the gym work in the morning, like physio or CV, whatever. We'd, our physio was a beast. Like he'd hammer you. But he's a good guy. So you kind of allowed him to do it without arguing, whatever. So you'd, you'd, we did that. We'd do a long, long session, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour session while the players that are fit are outside. And then they'd come back in. And we'd all have lunch together. And then the players would go the injured players would go up to total fitness. And then we do like a two hour session in the pool. So like you're probably doing like Olympic length, 50 lengths or something like that, like crazy fitness. Yeah. And it was honestly hard as hell, but the physio, you, you, you joke around with them all the time and um, you didn't mind. So at the end of it, it's like four o'clock, three thirty, something like that. So you sit down and you have a, coffee or a donut not a donut a cookie or a hot chocolate or whatever and it was just the end of the day <laughs> so we we did that and we, we we were in there every day so it'd be one day would be like a, a flapjack or the ne- next day would be a cookie with a hot chocolate and like i'm dri- me and neil Miller driving an hour hour and 20 minutes home after that so it's not like we're we're finishing going home like right around the corner so what we did, we'd, we'd do that every day. And one day the physio would buy, I'd buy, Mel's would buy, whatever. And then we come in on the Monday and Jacko, the physio, was like, well, I just had a phone call from Total Fitness. Like, we're not going up there anymore. So what do you mean? He goes, oh, we, the club have canceled the, the sponsorship. And then the Wesley pulls a meet and he's like, oh, these are, I've stopped the masseurs coming in. I've canceled Total Fitness. All you guys are going up there and doing is having a muffin and a, a cookie and all that. And we're all looking at each other like, are you kidding me? Like, are you yeah. taking the piss? And then he's like, uh, I've also canceled the chiropodists and the masseurs coming in 
these are luxuries that you can do on your own time. We're like, how can we do that on our own time? Like we're getting home at like five o'clock. Yeah. Like these people finish work at five, six o'clock. Like, <laughs> how is this yeah. possible? But the guy was just like, he was so out of his depth. Um, like there's so many things I could like the first, my first ever meeting with him was when he'd, he'd introduced himself the day of a game. So that I don't really count that as meeting him personally. Yeah. So with the, then on the Monday, he sat us all down in the gym and it was freezing. It was like February and there's no air and there's no heating in the, the gym. You have like little strip heater things or block heaters. Yeah. So we're all sitting there and he made us wait about 20 minutes. So we're, I'm sit, literally sitting there like it's, it's freezing. So I, I pull my, my legs and arms up into my shirt and I'm sitting up against the wall and we've got 40 guys in there. Yeah. And first thing he says, he walks in and goes, Where's the inhuman? I'm like, hands inside my shirt. I pop my hand out. I'm like, here. He goes, you like a McDonald's, don't you? What? Like, never, I've never met you. I've never spoke to you. Yeah, yeah. Like, how the hell is that coming out of your mouth? Like, yeah. I said, no, I actually prefer KFC, but here we go. (laughs) You didn't say that. I did. And I'm like, like, I played the two years before he came, even the year he came, I was leading score both years. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like I was uh, a fringe player who wasn't doing his job. Okay. Yeah. I'd got injured just before he came in, but like we got relegated. I'd finished leading score. The, the season then i our team was on fire at the start of the season and Phil Brown was the coach and I'd scored something like nine goals, eight goals before Christmas. And back then in a team that, <laughs> wasn't renowned for scoring a crap load of goals was, was decent. And like the three strikers, we all had like eight, seven and five, like between us. And we were, we were joint top of the league. Hmm. And then we got injured. Mel Meller got injured and the other striker got injured and they bring in this clown and that's how we started things out. And the, the guy, like he, he messaged me on um, June 17th, which I believe is father's day. He messaged me back then. It was on that year. It was father's day. And he messaged me and he's like, I hope your search for a new, like this is, I hadn't spoke to him all summer. I hope your search for a, a new club is uh, going well. I understand your, your agent is talking to clubs. I hadn't spoke to him. I hadn't spoke to my agent. I was literally on holiday. And I said, not, I, not a clue what you're talking about. I haven't spoke to my agent, but by the way, happy Father's Day. Hope you have a good one. And he's like, don't, don't play coy with me. I know your, your agent's been talking. I'm like, listen, Graham. I said, I don't even call him gaffer anymore uh, by that time. I was like, listen, Graham. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't spoke to my agent in like a month. I said, I'm on holiday. It's Father's Day. I said, I'll speak to you later. Mm-hmm. I, was, I never spoke to him until I got that text about preseason. That's great. Oh, so yeah, you were one of those that got Oh, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. one of those. Yeah. Wow. And it was a, it was a farce. And like the, the guys who were running it, I felt so bad for them because they were – they were strength and conditioning coaches. They were football or rugby guys. Yeah, yeah. And they had a good, like we didn't have a ball. The only reason we had a ball is because I had one in the uh, trunk of my car. Like all we did for, for two months was work, like run, weights. And it was good. Like, don't get me wrong. We, we felt relatively fit. But as soon as we went near a training session, we were all dead. Like, yeah. And the f- best thing is I ended up going and winning that same league with Doncaster that year. Wow, perfect. That's that's a nice so, circle. I um, love that. 
shoved it right up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, I love that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna flip flop here again. Uh, speaking of frustration, I want to talk to you about. Uh, we're not gonna get into it too much with the Honduras game. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's when the camera switches off. See you later. Yeah, no, that that to all of us, and I'm sure, I mean, even more to the players, that, that's left a, a brutal mark on uh, on our souls here, and I'm sure you even more. Um, I want to talk about playing those games away in Central America. Is that not is that not what people in Europe, you know, they look at over here in Canada, you're playing Honduras, they're crap, or this or that. Are, are we seen? Is CONCACAF seen as that? And do they know? And I would love to hear a story or two from you away at El Salvador, away at Honduras. Like, what happens when you're trying to sleep? Like, tell, 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 tell what you guys actually have to deal with. See, it's not, as, it's not as bad as what happened in the Panama game. Like, when they were outside the hotel. It's not that bad. Yeah. Like, I've never witnessed it where they're outside causing havoc till stupid o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, but it's not an easy place to go. Like, it's so hot. Like, it's like walking into a curtain of heat. As soon as you walk off the plane, it's like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to the fields, like, two and a half hours before the game, and there's 40,000 people there, plus people outside are doing a party and, like, roasts and yeah. barbecues and beer and all that. And you, you're getting there, and you're – you're a bit like I get nervous before every game, regardless who I'm playing. So you're a bit nervous before the game, anyways. You got your music on. You're walking around. You can still hear the drums and the the wow. people shouting at you through your noise canceling. So I've got a pair of bows on, and I can still hear people shouting. And the learning learning the Spanish swear words at a very young age kind of helped. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it was never easy, and we are viewed as that through through people over in the UK and Europe and that is like losing to Honduras at the time, Honduras had lost two games at home in something like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it was a good and that time. was it. That, that was incredible. Um, don't get me wrong. We, that, that game should have been, we should have been comfortable before they scored their first goal. Like we hit the post and missed a sitter. Yeah. Can um, I say, can I say it still makes me mad that you and Bernier didn't start that game. Is it, is like, it still bothers me to this day. I think you and Bernier, and I said this, I think, to De Guzman, and we did Bernier the other day. You and Bernier, and I'm going to flip back here, both should be frustrated, like your lack of call-ups. There's so many squads that I remember being announced where you were left out. You were banging in goals in India and all these plays. Like, but, almost that, like, but that's not a league. Yeah. Yeah. Silly. I, that's, I no, hey, d- d- listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to – I'm not going to get the old sour grapes out because I am. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely pissed. Yeah. But I've told, that, I've told this, I, did, I don't know if you see my, my podcast with one soccer and all that. I've, to, I've told them the naked truth. So like it's, I'm not happy with my, my international career. Proud as punch to have played as many games as I did. But I'm not happy with how it went. Because I was playing games left, right and center. I was playing 40, 50 games a season. And yeah. I'm missing out, missing out to guys sitting on benches and sitting in reserve teams. And I'm sorry, I... I love them as people, but it's not right. Yeah. And that's me being truthful. It's not saying they're not good players. They may be better players than me, possibly. But I'm playing leading yeah. score for my team wherever I've been. I'm playing week in, week out. Yeah. And I'm missing out to guys who aren't playing. Yeah. So that's, like, that's the answer. You like, you went into that, into that new Indian league and it was basically like, well, you're just, you're not, you're nowhere right oh, now. 
Well, you think the same thing about Issei. Issei went to Malaysia. And Mal- he was banging goals in Malaysia. For a winger, the guy scored like a goal every two and a half games for a winger. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And it's Malaysia, but because it's not... <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to sound like a prick, but no. should, I have, should I have come and played USL? Well, should I have come and played TFC too? Should I have come and sat on the bench for an MLS team? Yeah. Did you consider, did you ever have that option? I'm sure you did. No, no. no. Funny enough, no, never. Really? Yeah. That's amazing, yeah? Yeah. At 29 year old, yeah. 30 year old, I, I mentioned that I was interested. Yeah. At 26 year old, I was linked to Montreal and Vancouver and nothing ever came of it and yeah. nothing from Toronto ever. Huh. That's, that's, that's very surprising to me. <laughs> but well, but again, that, it, it follows suit. Like, there's been nothing from CPL either. That's yeah. so, that was coming up. Like, I needed to ask you that question eventually, but I wanted that's it's perfect time to bring it up. Like, you're telling me Ian Hume has not been contacted by any CPL soccer team? Uh, Halifax. Spoke with Hardy when I was in India. Spoke with Hardy. And I was close to coming. Um, and then... He called me and says, listen, he goes, we just can't do it. Financially, we can't do it. And I said, thank you for letting me know. Yeah. At least, like, at least you'd called me. Like, not, he didn't text me, he didn't email me, he called me yeah. Yeah. and spoke to me. And I've, I've known Hartney. And listen, I, I love the guy. The guy's, yeah. he's such a gentleman of the game. And that's what sort of softened the blow about how upset I was with my Canadian career. Mm-hmm. Because he was such a good guy and such a good coach. Yeah. But I still think I should have played over people that were playing constantly. Yeah. And that was a lot of it was under his mm. reign. So that's why, why I hold back on being upset about it. Yeah. Because I really like Stephen and I, I, think, I do think he's a great coach. We played the best soccer that Canada's played in 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Up until the recent US game. But well, how um, opposite of a manager is he to your uh, Preston North End? Like the fact that <laughs> you, you could have some sort of animosity in, in some way, but the way he man managed and the type of person he is, like to me, just that, a guy. He's just a yeah. good guy, like a he's very wrong. good guy. Yeah. And the guy is so into like the guy's in love with football. Yeah. Like he's a football geek. Like I, I don't care who you meet around yeah. the world, you'll struggle to find somebody who knows more about the game than he does. Hmm. And that's what kind of like he'd come and talk to us about like random games and he'd let you say, Oh, look this up, look this up. Yeah, yeah. And like every, every day before training two touch, he'd be playing with you. Like huh. he's one of those, he's, he's, wow. he's just one of those guys you'd love to, to work with, yeah. whether it be a coach or a player. And it softened the blow a bit about not playing as much, but he was the only one who followed up. Like I had, and I'll, I'll name names. I had Jim Brennan. I had Rob Gale. I had the Smyrniatos brother. I never ever spoke to Smyrniatos at Forge, but I had his brother saying he's going to call me tomorrow. That was 18 months ago. Mm. Still, still waiting. Yeah. Um, still waiting on a call back from Jimmy. Rob Gale spoke to me about coming over. I messaged, messaged him. Next thing I know, they signed two strikers. So I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it, but I'm not, I'm not going to be yeah. petty about it. It's yeah. dumb. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all you have to do is call me and tell me no. Yeah, Text well, me, email me. Just, just have the courtesy of telling me. That's all I wanted. Um, but it, it is what it is. And hey, CPL, I, I've watched it the last two years. I still know if, if I get myself fit, if I have something to get fit for, then I know I could still, still do a yeah. job in that league. And, um, but it's, it's one of those who wants a 37-year-old who's 
who's uh, not played for two years. I want to I want to uh, jump in and maybe derail Mark's questions, but because we're talking about sort of I'm onto this man management thing here, like you know how glowingly you spoke to Stephen Hart, and I, I you can see it. I don't think it's you know the first time we've heard something like that about him. Who who was your, who are your best boss? Who is your best boss, or who was your top gaffer going going through Tranmere, Lester, Barnsley, like, and was that person? I mean, it's probably a really dumb question. I'm just getting I'm leading into like, is it just because of that man management? Is that what separates them? Um, certain scenarios and certain coaches, they ask for certain or different types of coaches. Like, um, oh. when I was younger, when I was at Tranmere, I had Brian Little. Oh. Yeah. I had Brian Little and we were a very young team. Mm-hmm. So I think our average age of our squad was something like 22, 23. And we had some older players, but we had a lot of like 19, 18, yeah. Yeah. 20 year old players. And he was a very, very good man manager. He had his assistant who was honestly one of the nicest guys but such a dick like when when he had to he was the the bad cop got it so they they work together um so they probably in club football in the uk was probably my favorite manager i mm. still keep in touch with him on social media randomly it's like we, we randomly send like happy birthdays and whatever yeah. Yeah. um i went to india and we had a coach he's actually with uh back with ATK Mohambagan now, uh, Antonio Habas. Yeah. And every single person under the sun thought he was a dick. But I loved him. Huh. Wow. He, he, he respected me. He trusted me. Yeah. So he didn't speak great English. Obviously, at the time, I didn't speak any Spanish. Mm-hmm. Didn't understand any Spanish. Yeah. But he trusted me. I think we played 16 games. I think I missed nine minutes. Wow. So it was a matter of he kept me on the field because he knew what I brought and knew how I led from the front. And yeah. um, so he was probably my favorite there. But if you want for banter, even though we got relegated, but for banter, Ian Holloway was class. Yeah. <laughs> every day, every day we were at Leicester and every day, like he, he was, again, he was an ass. If yeah. you weren't playing well or working hard, he, he told you and he didn't care what you thought. But he, every day he was just a crack. Like he'd come up with a story. Him and Dean Saunders. Yeah. Dean Saunders as well. Like I had him at Donny. Yeah. And every day, like he was so big time. Like it was hilarious. But he joked about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like you, one story told us about uh, Dean Windus when he was at Bar- uh, Bradford with him. And Windus was this up and coming and yeah. making good money and scoring goals and everything. And he's like... Uh, brought in the listing he's trying to sell his house and he showed it around everybody and Saunders goes oh Dean stop showing and after training he goes oh Dean Dean give me that listing comes over how much you asking he goes oh like 300 grand or something like that he goes oh he goes do you want it in cash he goes I need something down the bottom of the garden for my kids (laughs) (laughs) like like that sort of thing he's so big time but he just joked about it all the time and um so, so yeah, certain certain scenarios and certain times at clubs mm-hmm. called for different types of managers, and you you get the respect off them. Then, um, like I with with the national team, obviously Hardy Dale Dale was Dale. He he got there off our under twenty team, so he had the respect for me. Although I didn't play again, I didn't play as much as I I'd have hoped. Um, Benito Floro. A lot of people didn't like the way he ran things. I 
he was straight up front with me. Like he, if he, if I wasn't playing, he'd tell me. Yeah. If he, I wasn't getting called up, he called me. Oh wow! So it wasn't a matter of huh. like, like I don't know who that Octavio Zambrano, whoever the hell that guy was, the futsal coach yeah. who came in to manage a national team. Yeah, never, never heard of him. Never spoke to him. Huh. Wow! Not a, not a, not a word. Wow. Um, other than that, oh. I've not, I'd, I've never ever had contact with uh, what's his the guy now Hardman Harmon. Herdman, yeah. Herdman, Herdman. Sorry, I've never had contact with him, um, but that's I expected that because I played in. I've not played in any recognized reserve league anywhere. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's I've so I've never had contact with him, which is fine. But hey, fair play to him. He's doing extremely well with a great group of guys, and I love seeing it. And yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to qualify this World Cup without yeah. without yeah. having to host. Like how yeah. sweet would that be? Yeah. Well, sorry, I put my hand up, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> Your pen, you mean? Listen, on that, was there someone that stood out on the pitch? Like, was there a manager who could do both the men management and was on the grass, or was there someone on the grass um, that was not, uh, uh, you know, the manager, just the assistant that was the best on the grass that just had the, every session was was had everything in, in, in it and you loved it. Is there anybody like that that stood out? Hardy. Hardy's sessions were so intricate. Like everything he had, if you're going into a game, and I know it doesn't look like it after that Honduras game, but yeah. he couldn't have been any more prepared. Like that's the, that's the scary thing. Like we couldn't have been any more prepared for that game. Like, yeah. like we, we, rent, we chartered a flight. We chartered for our games down there. We chartered flights. We we went there the right way. Just us, twenty five guys, ten staff. We we chartered a flight, so we were going. Like the guy was, he was so on, meticulous look at, look with at how Brazil, he Germany. It. Look at Brazil, Germany. It happens. I mean, that game is just yeah. it's, well, exactly. And that's why yeah. I feel for him because he, we should have qualified before that game. Yeah. yeah. And this is where I revert to. I wish I was playing. Yeah. yeah. Not saying I had scored, but I know for a fact. I I would have taken one of them. I don't miss as many chances as I. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, it's no, one of those. Me. You, you but, don't know if you know, but a lot of people feel the same way. Yeah, trust yeah. me. I, uh, Just not the coaches afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you here more coaching, but also playing. You went to India as we as we alluded to, and you played with some big boys, right? You played with Berbatov. Wes Brown, David James, like you played, did you play beside Berbatov, like up front at that? Uh, like how good? <laughs> how can, how can, how can you say beside Berbatov? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, come on. Like the, yeah. Can't take away from what he was, what he was. Yeah. 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 What he was. The guy came out to India, didn't care. Didn't want to, he wanted to play holding midfield or center midfield or number 10. Um, never trained with the team, never did any, the guy, I'm sorry, but the less said about it, the better, because I don't want to get in trouble with it, but the guy should never have gone out there. He didn't care. He didn't want to be there. Wow. Wes Brown, on the other hand, what a guy. Really? Absolute for what he'd done in the game. Yeah. Championships he'd won, trophies he'd won, money he'd earned. What a down to earth person. Hmm. Like seriously, one of the best I've met in the game. And that's from any walk of life, whether it be a League Two player, a Champions League winner, one of the best guys I've met in the game. Wow. 
So what about um, David James? We're Liverpool uh, supporters here, not mine. Hey, same here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a red. Don't don't worry about that. Um, he's a weirdo. Um, <laughs> no, he's no. Hey, listen. He tactically he's okay. Um, Berbatov, but everyone looks at it the wrong way because Berbatov wrote this one Instagram thing. Oh, problem with coaches. He wants to play long ball to striker's chest and go from there. No, well, Berba, because you can't play to your chest because you're playing in front of the back four. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, Jamo, Jamo approached games the right way. He knew how to get team players playing. Our first year out there, he had us playing. We'd run through brick walls for each other. Nice. Hence the reason why we made the final. It wasn't because we were class. We had decent players, but we made the final because we would die for each other. And you look around that league that first season, you had Luis Garcia, you had yeah. Juan Capdevilla, Robert Perez, Trezeguet, mm-hmm. uh, Matarazzi, Elano, Sylvester, Nesta. Um, like this is like a, a game of all-star on FIFA. Yeah. Like it's yeah. the only, the only, like I played against Roberto Carlos. I played against uh, John Arnarisa. I played against, Guys that I'd never, ever in a million years dream of playing against. Yeah. Like Roberto Carlos. Yeah. Like that's Nesta. Like who these two would pop up in a lot of people's world 11 ever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I ran past Roberto Carlos once because I played a through ball into the strike or a ball into the striker's feet and I went to run past him because he was playing like hold the midfield Mm -hmm. and he stuck his ass out. And I swear the guy is huge. (laughs) <laughs> but he's not like fat huge he's just huge yeah, he's like his skinny. calves are his calves were like that yeah. and he can there's actually a picture going around somewhere i've seen it the other week and where he's like apologizing at the end of the game because we drew nil nil or something and he's apologizing to me at the end of the game and he can i remember it as well because he's like oh you you were gonna get the ball i had to stop you <laughs> so like that's a mentality of a guy who even though he's okay he's retired and whatever he's still yeah. but it's like no, win at all costs. Don't care what you do. Yeah, but um, yeah, that league was uh, it was it was it was good. There's some top players and like uh, not even the ones that like people will know, but like playing for ATK, Borja Fernandez. Mm-hmm. The guys played for Real Madrid. The guys played five hundred odd games in La Liga, played in Champions Leagues and all that. And the guy was a an absolute machine. And the way he approach the game daily like yoga after training uh constant core constant gym sessions um these guys they they opened up my eyes to to how different cultures approach the game and like the spanish players were just were just a joke yeah that's nuts so what what i'll do now is i'll just quickly shift it to a couple of rapid fires and we'll get to know uh get to know Ian Hume a little different first of all I saw two awards that you won in India, which I love. You won Indian Super League Hero of the League in 2014. <laughs> players, no, it's uh, Player of the Year. Yeah, but how, how much better is that title than yeah. Player of the Year? Yeah, yeah well, well, especially considering like the, the players who were, yeah. who were in the league that year. Um, yeah. But it was, it was their sponsor because Hero is a, it's a motorbike company. Yeah. Okay. So here the they sponsored that. So it was the hero, hero of the match every week. So if you play instead of having player of the game or man of the match, 
or first yeah. star, it's hero of the match and then hero of the league. And yeah. It was, uh, no, it was great. And obviously being a hero is great. Please <laughs> tell me you went right to your wife with that award and just were like, look, like here yeah. it is. For sure. Well, yeah, she was, well, I drove home. Oh, I drove home. I flew home the day after the final. Yeah. And, uh, I took a picture of me sitting there and I've got a seatbelt on it in the plane and all that. And I'm sitting there like that. Um, but now it, it was great. And I know what you're going to say the next one as well. The next award. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, the Amul Fitness Player of the Year. Yeah, the Fittest Player of the Year. I love that's the one. It was best of you. I know. Well, that's the one I said is like, uh, so the first year with Kerala, we went to the finals. Um, and then Peter Taylor took over Kerala and I'd agreed a contract and everything. And he comes in and says, no, vetoed it. He's like, no, that's not happening. Um, he goes, I can get two players for that amount. And it wasn't a lot of money. I'm like, good luck getting two players for that. Um, so I, as soon as they said that, I announced that I was free within like an hour. I had Calcutta on the phone. So signed for them that year. And I played every minute apart from nine minutes. And the only reason I didn't play the nine was because we were playing a home game in like the last league game. I think it was Northeast United we played against. And I was starting to cramp up a little bit. And he, the coach wanted to take off the left winger and put me left wing just to fill the hole because he knows I'll fight and then put on another striker. And I just told him, I said, nah, I said, honestly, Gaffer, take me off. I'm knackered. Mm. And that was the only reason I came off. Yeah. But the Amol, the Amol is the company who makes milk. So it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's the sponsors yeah. get the name, the awards. It's weird. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, it's funny talking to you and there's such this reoccur. It's, it's such a ruthless game, a eh? professional sport. It's right. like he comes in, he cancels it, does it. Everybody, it's just so hard. But anyway, so I'm going to, best Canadian player he ever played with. Tiba Hutchinson. Not even, not even, don't even need to finish the question. Yeah. Wow. What about the and best? That's, that's taken nothing away from Jules and no. Dero. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Tiba Hutchinson is, and until Alfonso Davies does it for years and years and years, yeah. Tiba Hutchinson's the goal. Don't care. Yeah. I have to know this. I have to know this. And feel free to just make me look like an idiot. But I see an opening and I argue with teachers at school when, when they gave a baseball player athlete of the year over Atiba, I think it was like three years ago. And I'm like, how can you? Atiba runs 15 kilometers per game in a Champions League um, uh, match. How can you give it to a baseball player who, who's eating uh, 10 muffins and a bagel before the game? <laughs> like, like, I know I'm making, I'm simplifying it. In your soul of souls, do you actually think that a baseball player should win any athlete of the year over any footballer from Canada? It depends on what, listen, I'm not a baseball fan. I, I love watching the Jays. I'll go to watch the Jays now that I'm back over here, but it depends on what is surrounding us. Like the, the BBC sports personality of the year. Yeah. A race car driver making it over, Jordan Henderson, who's just captain Liverpool of the first, this is, yeah. it's how they are in the media, how they are with people, how they are with the fans. It's, I, I personally wouldn't give it to a baseball player over T. Hutchinson, but. You can see how they did it. You can see how they, because it, it's not just the athlete. If you depend, I'd say, I don't know the award, but depending on the award, it depends what the, 
what it stipulates it's following. So whether it's going on the personality of the person, the, the type of person there with the community. So that's where I would see possibly they do it. But again, yeah, baseball player doesn't get an athlete award over any soccer player ever. All right, Jay. You got it, Jay. The last soccer book that you read. <laughs> Probably Shoot Magazine in 2020 or 1999. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't read, I don't read a lot of books. I'll, um, I'm not a, Listen, I, yeah. I like reading snippets and I like reading certain little bits of books, but probably yeah. the last of any type of book that I read was Paul James one. Huh? Um, was it Cracked Open or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I was in it, because he wrote yeah. about me. And um, I don't know if he watches this or not. I don't know. I hope he's doing well. Um, yeah. I hope he's well, still alive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've reached out to him a few times to try and get him on here because uh, uh, for a similar thing, like uh, just he's reached out to a couple people to have a platform. So we were thinking, so you, you know him. Do you know Oh, him? yeah, well, he managed me. Yeah, he managed yeah. me. He's our under-20 coach. He's chalk and cheese yeah. with me. Um, yeah. He's either amazing or he's an absolute prick. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, he's I've known Paul since I was – 13 14 um he used to come he did his uh, university degree in john moore's university in liverpool so he was coming over to watch my games quite regularly um when i was at Tranmere. um which 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 was interesting because he's the one who told me i'd never make it when i was younger oh no way wow yeah go on next one (laughs) you do you eat pizza with your hands or a knife and fork hands don't be silly and i'm gonna i'm gonna hey this is where it's gonna get frustrating for a lot of people i have it with uh, pineapple as well yeah same 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 pepperoni pineapple chili flakes oh so good wow all right there you go i I know i know i'm gonna split split people (laughs) have you ever played belong yeah (laughs) have you ever played football manager and bought yourself every single time i used to play (laughs) same with fifa that's and amazing. hey, I don't care. I'm getting in the team over the likes of Suarez and that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Tiger King on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There you go, Mark. You're getting better with <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah, I, I I've asked I think 30 guests, and I think you're one of two that have seen. I, uh, I, I over the quarantine, I lived for that show. I can't say I loved it, but I I binge watched it with my wife, and it was like it's hard not the, to watch. The, at the end, like the last couple episodes, was like this is so cringeworthy, but I can't finish. I can't not watch it. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Are you a tent camper or you go to a cottage? Well, I like both. Um, we just brought all our camping gear over from the UK. Nice. Um, we used to have a caravan over there, so we bought a static caravan. Um, I used to have a cottage up by Perry Sound uh, here with my sister. Um, but we will go anyway, depending on the situation. If it's just a quick getaway, we'll jump in the car, throw the tent in and do that. But I like both. I I like outdoors life. I'm a fire starter. (laughs) Is there a fire starting right now? What's that sound? Do you guys hear that? Uh, that, found something, found something in my pocket. So I get quite fidgety. (laughs) You go swimming in a lake and you feel seaweed on your feet. Is that the end of the swim? Oh my God. No, No. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly lay on my back and kick my feet, but it's, (laughs) 
Yeah, that, that was my first question. Did, did you go into full board position and, yeah. and float until it goes away? Yeah, that's, that's me. No, like I'll, I'll, I'll kick just to make sure if there's any fish or any turtles or anything, they're not getting near me. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Would you rather Hearts win the Scottish Premier League or Liverpool win the Champions League? Liverpool. Yes. Hearts are, ne- Hearts are never win in the, cha- or the Scottish Premier League. <laughs> The thing is, I know Liverpool, it's a possibility. We've, yeah. Six yeah. times, why not out of seventh? Yeah. Do you have a New Year's resolution? Get better. Great resolution. Whatever, whatever it is, just get better. Yeah. That's a great okay. answer. So before we, uh, before we, I just, we end this show on, uh, on a quiz. Uh, Jay named it the Snob Stumper. I don't know if we liked it yet or anything. <laughs> what do you think? Snob stumper, is that acceptable? It's oh, I'll wait and see what the questions are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just one, it's just one stupid question to end the quiz off. But before that, I just want to say, like getting to know you in here is like uh, again, it's like a, a fan getting to to talk to somebody who's who's watched his whole career and like so appreciative and and it's amazing. And I want to say, bring up something real quick here on Twitter that not a lot of people probably know at all, but it is in the open because the guy you spoke to has put this on Twitter. Anyway, you did a podcast and after the podcast, you, you know, you said, thank you. You had exchanged, uh, whatever, uh, emails, mm-hmm. texts. And that person came out in a time of need of depression and frightening thoughts and that kind of thing. Didn't know where to turn, but he reached out to you. Somebody who he'd only met through a podcast mm-hmm. at three o'clock in the morning or so. And you sat and chatted with him until he came down and, and felt better. And, you know, he's attributed his life and his thing to you. And I saw that. I researched that. And yeah. that's something that people should know. Ian Hume took 48 red cards in his career, you know, kicked people all over the field. But <laughs> I think I might have had that stat wrong. He wants yellow, cards, yellow, yellow cards, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> red but, cards, but no. This is the type of person that's the that's inside you know and that's something i i thought should be out there for you um <clears throat> for people to know this is the type of person that he is so you know you played with your heart on your sleeve you died for the cause i wish you would have played more it's really upsetting to me and and to you obviously but what i love to see is again someone like you coming back to canada giving back to that club that you're with the men's team that's that to me that whole full circle is what makes or breaks an athlete in my mind. So thank you for coming on here and thanks for giving back still. And we appreciate it. No, thank you guys for having me. Like, listen, I chat shit about football all the time. So yeah. being able to talk about my career, it, it, yeah. it's something I, I take pride in. Okay. I, I have moments of upset moments of absolute pride, mm-hmm. but the thing is I'm, I'm still not worried about talking about it and obviously about my head and everything. And, Things mm-hmm. I've done, things, people I like, people I dislike. I don't care. It's, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I just want to echo what Mark said. Like, that's such a class story. And, I, and he sent that to us before. I think that speaks to your personality. I wanted to give you maybe a, a minute to talk about something I didn't know until we knew we were having you on the show, but Ian Hume Limitless Coaching. Is that... Uh, is that something you want? Yeah, there's the story. Like, so what is it? I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I've only seen it on the Instagram. Like, is it just fitness training? Are you doing soccer it's, coaching as well? It's it's a tough one right now. Um, obviously, with the lockdowns. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm not a 
I'm not a big advocate for ball mastery. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not right. Yeah. What we're doing right now is where we do groups of, well, before lockdown, we do groups of kids uh, training, uh, basic training, um, do a lot of fitness work, um, but sports-specific stuff. So it's open to any sport. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we ran a, with me and my brother, we ran a, a hockey team through dryland training. Um, the results came back, and as soon as they got back on the ice, the coaches were like, oh, what the heck have you been doing? Yeah. Um, so we've got that. We do the men's program. We do the women's program um, in the city. Mm-hmm. It's just a tough one to break because we're not in a, a football hub. Yeah. Woodstock isn't. It's it's a hockey town, so everyone keeps telling me. Um, <laughs> they've listen. They've had one player make the NHL. Um, so I'm like, well, why can't it be a soccer town? But if we get one player that makes it, they're like, oh yeah, but it's a hockey. I said, well, that's it yeah. can easily be changed. I know it's never going to be changed, but if yeah. it if the game's treated the same way here, I'm right between London and Kitchener. Mm-hmm. Um, so when uh, the lockdown ends. I'll hopefully have a lot more people. I've, I've reached out to a few and they've reached back and had quite a few people who want to come out and train. Um, it's, it is what it is. I just want to pass on what I know. And uh, if I can pass on a, just a little bit, even if it's just the desire and the will to win and the, yeah. listen, the never say die. I, I, listen, I've, I've coached kids who are better footballers than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm coaching kids who've got better tricks. And I said, yeah, but can you trap a ball that's coming at you 80 mile an hour? Yeah. Can you do this? You can do all these tricks. I don't, and that's why I step yeah. away from ball mastery. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that player, mm-hmm. but I know my first touch is on point. Mm-hmm. I know my, my passing's on point. I can go A to B without a problem. Yeah. So I don't need to do around the world and scissors and crossovers and all this. I'll do them in games if I need to, yeah. but I know where my strengths are. Yeah. Work on fundamental. Like I did a podcast with a friend of mine in uh, Scarborough. Yeah. Does a uh, Rich Asante. Yeah. He does Asante Academy did with him and he's like what's the one thing you would pass on to kids and what will you say to highlight i said fundamentals mm-hmm. you work on fundamentals yeah. hard and you get them up to up to up to scratch and the rest looks after itself yeah and then the imagination and all that comes out in games for ball mastery stuff that's fine um but i'm not going to highlight ball mastery there's people who can who can do it a lot better than i can yeah but if you ask me to do a passing contest with one of these ball mastery guys, you're winning. I'm willing to bet I'll compete, if not better them. So that's where it works. And obviously lockdown, yeah. doing all the fitness stuff and Zoom sessions and all that, trying to get people up to scratch. <laughs> I did one on Thursday and only just started feeling better yesterday. So it's, uh, it's, um, yeah. it's one of those. We're, uh, we're working. We're, we're trying. It's, yeah. Um, along with doing the Woodstock men's program, my brother and I are the head coach and assistant there. Um, we drag people in from London, from Niagara, from Kitchener. So we're, we're putting together a program that's going to compete now. Um, mm-hmm. They're forever the mediocre side that is content with fighting mid table or fighting relegation. And I'm not going to accept that. And I told them not from day one and I'm going to be playing as well. Um, so if, if a 37 year old guy is doing more work than you, you got questions to ask yourself. So, um, it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's, uh, again, we need this COVID to, yeah, stop. to piss off for a bit. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we'll get going. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. No, I, I, I'm, 
I like that that where you're pulling out of that. I don't want to keep this going and going for no, 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 it's fine. No, I uh, I appreciate it, and I, I I like I like people that know themselves, and and that's important in a coach. And I, I really like. I hope that people listening can pull that. Don't be a coach if you're a coach listening. Don't be a coach that's not you. Be a coach that you know yourself and you know your strengths. Don't try and don't try and be Guardiola because you're not. Be yep. be yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I really like that. I'm gonna pull that. Now, with that said. I'm going to test Ian Hume's brain here about the Canadian maple leaf. So I'm going to ask Ian, I'll go in this order. Ian, Stephen, Jason. Ian, how many points are there on the Canadian maple leaf on the flag? 11. Steve. Are we talking about the stem as well? Yeah. Well, 12. With the stem. No, no, no stem. No stem. Okay, well, 11. So 11. Steve? Nine. Jay? The best is on Steve's shirt, dummy. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, it's 11 with Ian. Yeah. Because you got two. So you go two out, up, one, two, three, down, one, two, three. Different level. First guest to nail a quiz in the history of the 40 shows we've done. That's true. Hey. Well done. Well done. And it, you can't even go off the one on your shirt because it's kind of right, yeah. kind of all over the place. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I was trying to look to see if there was a maple leaf around here, but there's not. Uh, uh, no. So that's it for us, man. Ian, again, like different level. Like I loved it. Thank you for being uh, it's like honest. And that's, that's a, a genuine no. compliment. Like thank you for being honest. Yeah. No, honestly, my pleasure. Listen, I, like I said, I love talking about, where I've been, how I got there, and obviously the ups and downs. That's the, the whole point of when you're coming towards the end of your career, you, if you can pass on some sort of knowledge or some stories to, to yeah. raise a bit of interest and a bit of, I don't know, eye-openers for people and realize that not everything's rosy, never is, yeah. Yeah. Unless, you're, unless you're willing to work past it. And that's something that I've had to do, and I, I hope other people realize that not everything is sunshine and rainbows. And, um, yeah. and that's the truth of it yeah yeah awesome thanks again well, thanks well my thank pleasure you. guys thank you very much for having me yeah no worries all, right. all the best very much for listening today if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast and of course leave us a five-star review if you want to get in touch you'll find us on instagram at soccer snob one on twitter at soccer snobs one by searching for us on facebook and of course on the web at www.soccersnobs.ca backslash listen you can leave us your opinion give us any comments and if that's where you want to get nasty feel free to do so